Welcome to the latest installment of The Curious Capitalist. The Curious Capitalist is a series of podcasts where we take the opportunity to not only speak to board members from the Conscious Capitalism Connecticut chapter, but also local business owners, startups and entrepreneurs from across the state of Connecticut. On this edition of The Curious Capitalist, I'm pleased to introduce Sashi Edupuganti, who is the CEO and founder of ODE Holdings and also a board member of Conscious Capitalism here in Connecticut. Hello and welcome to The Curious Capitalist, Sashi. Thank you, Claire. I'm so excited to be here. Well, don't get too excited because you get to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) You are a joy to talk to. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, well, you may change your mind. Let's see. (laughs) So to kick off, Sashi, tell me about how your career has evolved. How did you get to this point in your career as the CEO of ODE Holdings? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting uh, that you asked that question as Steve Jobs used to say, you can always connect the dots looking back, not forward, right? And uh, it's a great segue into who I am. So I'm a Fortune 100 general manager and a serial entrepreneur. Uh, As an archetype, uh, I'm more of a shaper and a creator. So in tune with my archetype, I enjoy creating new companies, new products and uh, new teams. Mm. And uh, that has always given me the opportunity to work with companies like General Electric, NBC, Comcast, HPO, the world's largest hedge fund, uh, Bridgewater, primarily transfer forming their technology and service portfolio towards the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gets me every now and then to go back and start my own ventures. So I've been a part of four different uh, startups so far. And recently, around 2018, uh, my son wanted to have a social media presence uh, when he was 80 years old. And I was worried about the digital footprint that he was going to create. So <laughs> I decided to do something about it and launch this new venture called as ODE. Wow. It stands for Open Data Economy. Okay. Tell me about Open Data Economy. I love how it was born. So tell me more about it. Yeah. At ODE, we are actually focused on creating a new future of consumer data that is ethical, consensual, and context-based, right? So when you, me, and 4.5 billion people go online, we leave a part of our footprint with a company which goes to another company and it goes to another company. It is your data. You don't have the ability to manage it. You don't have the ability to control who uses and how they use it. And you certainly don't get paid. And the companies who actually buy the data don't get to use 92% of the data that they buy. But now with compliance coming into effect with GDPR, CCPA, and innumerable other things, enterprises are looking at a better way to manage their digital consumers mm-hmm. in an, uh, in a trustable manner and that's what we do we work with large organizations to build trust to get uh, uh, digital data back to their consumers uh, run uh, lean data science as well as get them to both have organic compliance gotcha so do you essentially build lists that are compliant that are ethically mined 
for want of a better word? Do you, do you actually hold those lists and work with the big companies with them? We try to avoid people getting into that uh, problem to start with, right? Gotcha. Uh, I mean, most companies today work on the hypothesis that consumers actually know what data is going out and uh, they're going to protect themselves. Are they are actually going to control the data that is already out there? And we think both of those are not valid hypotheses, right? Mm-hmm. So when uh, companies work with their digital consumers, we do two things uh, for the consumers. One is we stop the exfiltration of the data, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go online, you actually submit some of your information willingly and you know what you are submitting. Unfortunately, that footprint is less than 5%. 95% of the data that goes out of your uh, engagement point, whether it's your mobile device or your uh, web browser, is actually exfiltrated through um, cookies, click streams digital beacons and a mirage of other capabilities that most of us are not aware of, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually stop the data from going out of your devices. And the second thing is we get a copy of your own personal data to you, right? And now when people want to use it, they can ask for signals on what they want to use it for rather than get a copy of the data that eliminates the need for the enterprises to collect all the data and have to be compliant with it. Now they get to ask the business question get the results without the need to collect and store all of that uh, historical data. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So tell me, what do you wish you'd known before you started out on your career path with setting up <laughs> the new businesses and protecting your eight-year-old? What, what do you wish you'd known before you started out? Yeah, yeah I'm generally an optimistic person and live on no regrets, uh, Claire. I didn't know that it would be this much fun, right? Uh, I really didn't know it was this much fun. I think we live in a day and age where the pace of change and the ability to innovate is is the fastest that, that I am aware of. And that has given me the ability to go live a purposeful life and help the community at large, either through my job or otherwise. And if I had known that this would be so much fun, I probably would have uh, started here but it's it's interesting you should say that Sashi because I don't just rock up to these podcasts I do prepare a little bit and obviously I did have a little read about yourself and it's understood that you live by three core principles of be good be present and be future ready tell me a little bit about that yeah, it's, uh, it's so cool to hear that. So it's, it's very important for me, right? Whether it is on your personal life or on your professional life, it is important for you to be good at what you do. But more importantly, you should be good to the people around you, right? Because people at the end of the day are going to make or bear break uh, wherever you are heading individually and collectively as a team. So that's what be good means yep. in my uh, terminology, right? Yep. Um, uh, what was the second thing I forgot? <laughs> <laughs> Your core principles, I love it. Uh, be, be good, uh, be present, how apt. Be present, correct, 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 yes. It is, so, it is so timely because I'm not present, right? 
so most of the time at least in my personal experience we are anxious about the future or we are worried about what happened in the past right and uh, my philosophy is you look at history for only one purpose what you can learn from it yeah <laughs> you're living in that particular moment is not going to make any difference you are just dying a thousand times reliving a bad moment all the time Yes and the future is what you created so you might as well plan for it but if you want to have a good future you want to be present uh, in the moment fully engaged as to what you want to do and how you want to do that yes. which takes you to the third point of be future ready right you have as much participation into creating your future individually and collectively so be ready and uh, and then uh, plan for it to go make it happen uh, happen for what what you believe is a good future mm, i think they're great core principles i mean i per- personally the be good I, i hope to be good the being present is so so important and i think that perhaps coronavirus bizarrely has given people the opportunity to have a little reality check of their their life both professionally and personally and to try and be a little bit more present yeah yeah i think that's definitely one of the one of the things that came out of this virus and it's definitely a, a thing that hopefully we all build as a part of our uh, lifestyle going forward oh let's hope so so you are on the board of directors for conscious capitalism in connecticut tell me how you first got involved yeah it was these things are meant to be clear i, I can't even make up some of this stuff <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we were looking to open our headquarters last year and we were in Phoenix, uh, Los Angeles, among other places. And uh, when I was in Phoenix, they invited me to an entrepreneurship uh, session uh, that they ran over a period of two to three days. It was run by the city and uh, they had a lot of good speakers and a lot of good topics. But there were like five people who were so energized uh, like I haven't seen before. And I'm thinking, what's so unique about these five people? people among like the dozens of people who are participating so i ended up talking to them and i realized that all of them were a part of conscious capitalism wow it's <laughs> infectious enthusiasm <laughs> and positivity is about <laughs> it is it is uh, so from that i got introduced to the local chapter in uh, connecticut and uh, when i talked to glen and uh, gavin there was a lot of thought alignment and uh, i said uh, let's do something for the state of Connecticut. to get together with a great group of people yeah they're a great bunch and some fantastic events are certainly held and I'm, you're a great addition to the board for sure so thinking about conscious capitalism and the tenets of, of conscious capitalism what does it mean to you that your company has a higher purpose does your current company have a higher purpose and kind of what language would you use to describe that yeah as a company our culture is focused on meaningful relationships and work right and that is just not a statement we make internally we mean it for everybody involved with that so having that purpose to have a meaningful relationship and work for all of our key stakeholders uh, is a higher purpose and that's what we aspire to do how do you know that you have an accurate picture of your culture sort of internally and externally 
Is there a way of measuring it? Or how do you gauge that culture within your company? Yeah, culture at the end of the day is people-centric, right? There's, there's no amount of money, technology or uh, guidelines you are going to put in place to have a culture. Uh, you, you get the right people to think about things in a rational and respectful manner that drives a lot of what you want to build as an organization. So uh, mm. one thing that we focus on uh, extensively, irrespective of our short-term pains, is we hire people based on values, abilities, and skills. Values being the most important, abilities being the next, and skills are the last, right? It's still important, yes. but it's the last one. And But we expect people to learn their skills, but we don't expect people to change their values. <laughs> so wow. we want to understand, understand what their values are and they are aligned with what we are trying to do. To make it a little bit more easy for, uh, for all of us to get on the same page and hold each of us accountable, we have codified our operating principles, which while concise are good guidelines across various aspects of our business, uh, we lean on them. And as with everything else, when we see that it doesn't meet a particular situation, we collectively evolve them to what we need it to be. Wow, what a refreshing change to, uh, to the norm, so to speak. Thinking about that culture then, and how essentially you lead your team and your workforce. What do you think the return has been? How do you measure the return on that culture? What do you think it's worth in financial terms? Uh, I mean, quite frankly, we don't believe in putting a financial value to culture, uh, Claire. For us, it's an existential need. We have a good culture or we don't. If we don't have a good culture, we die. For us, we don't believe in putting a financial uh, term to it. Great ideas come alive, impacting the lives of many uh, without politics, ego, or short-term metrics. Uh, And that's how we measure it. Are we able to create great ideas impacting the society? And are we able to do that without politics, egos, or short-term drivers uh, which will sideline us so if you could snap your fingers and make one cultural change within your company what would it be and why Uh, i don't know if i can change it but i can wish right (laughs) we accept wishes Yeah, as a growing company, we hire a lot of people from our network as well as people from outside. If there's one thing we can wish for, that is everybody comes in with the way we think about it. Unfortunately, it's not the case and it takes time for them to internalize what we do and how we do the things, right? If you are Mm -hmm. able to do that faster, uh, it would be great, but it is uh, wishful thinking. But at the same time, uh, it actually helps us uh, get diversity of thought and uh, evolve if something is actually not working that we might actually not have thought about before as well. So it's a little bit of a balance. But if anything, uh, the ability to get people to snap into the way we think about things uh, from a cultural perspective would be great if it happens like a click, uh, click. It's, it's almost <laughs> like... <laughs> you just need to instantly brainwash them and it'll be done. I think that's probably on the horizon, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember... Uh, seen in men in black right and yes they, they show a light in the pen or something and yes they watch this light and yep. it makes you erase stuff sashi that's the next business venture definitely <laughs> <laughs> if um if a company wanted to make a shift towards more consciousness you know doing business in a conscious manner what would your advice be to that company uh, 
first by understanding it is important right if you don't believe it is important you're not going to do something about it first making an effort to understand it is important second uh, by defining what is important you might actually recognize having a conscious mindset towards your capitalistic journey is important but defining what it means and what is important is is the second part mm-hmm. the third part is actually finding the appropriate people to internalize it right mm-hmm. and uh, we all are in our own journeys for early stage companies they have the opportunity to do it right the first time by talking to people like me Kevin Glenn you and others who have gone through the journey in the past uh, for others who might actually be in the well encouraged in their own journey it is a transformation mindset so it really depends on where you are in the journey but recognizing it's important defining what is important and finding the right people can actually make a difference uh, in making the pivot or start off with a good foundation absolutely yeah it's strong leadership but you need people on board with the same driven ethos i guess the same attitudes and, and desires to do good it's hard sometimes to to assemble the right team that's for sure yeah very well said very well said we when we try to bring somebody new into the team we ask uh, two questions right uh, mm-hmm. one is is this person capable of doing something and the second thing will this person do it <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's excellent questions. They really are. But you're right. There's so many capable people, you know, perhaps with with not quite the follow through and people who are desperately want to follow through, but have no idea. So yeah, it's a a difficult one. So when you're not focused on your work and obviously world domination, what do you like to do to relax? What what are your hobbies and relaxation techniques? Uh, I meditate. So uh, that's something that I do every day uh, to find my center uh, it's almost like uh, uh, it's something that i do early in the morning before i go off on my day with everything else so that that's something that's uh, that's very much a part of who i am i also like to play hard as much as i work right so yes. i like uh, hiking the tallest peaks so i uh, hiked uh, the mount whitney i have hiked uh, machu picchu wow i like, <laughs> I like uh, snowboarding so i can hit the slopes during the winter period and i also like traveling traveling a lot uh, and I get to meet a lot of new people and places and when I'm not able to do any of those things I find uh, great joy in reading books uh, I'm always reading something or another uh, and, and I always find myself uh, learning new things. Yeah, always growing as a person in in all of those, and uh, hopefully the snow will come soon now that summer has gone and we can uh, we can hit the white stuff without a doubt. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. If you could have dinner with any figure in history, who would it be and what questions might you ask? Oh, that's, a, that's a tough one uh, because there's so many people I want to talk to. You can have Bob a couple. <laughs> Sashi, you can have a couple. I like you. You can have a couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the person that probably like to have dinner with is Adam Smith, right? Uh, who's considered the grandfather of modern economics. Uh, I think a lot of people know him from his book, uh, The Wealth of Nations. Yes. Uh, but most people do not know that he had a first book or a book prior to that 
that uh, which is a book called as theory of morals and demands uh, which uh, which is, has its own value and wealth of nations was a much more a practical implementation of whatever he had been thinking about in this day and age uh, as as you hinted to earlier uh, claire uh, we live in a very transitional state right where we are pushing and pulling between globalization and nationalism and what is important what is not important and the question my question to him would be what would be his change in theory based on the current scenario he says mm-hmm. wealth of nations and appropriate hypothesis or is there a different way that he would actually theorize on what we need to do mm. there are certainly a lot of people looking for answers right now and there's definitely a big shift going going on and it, although it's exciting to be a part of you feel like you're kind of on the precipice and it's kind of slightly scary but slightly yeah. exciting at the same time what do you think has been your greatest success both professionally and personally and why i've been blessed with a lot of um, good things i have been able to do in my life uh, claire and uh, and and among all of those things uh, one thing that i always cherished is having and growing a good network of people I have been able to hire and mentor thousands of people have been mentored by a lot of people that's what has made me who I am today right and uh, having that rolodex of people who are readily available and willing to uh, help me work through things personally or professionally because god knows we all need it. Yeah, you're not <laughs> wrong. What I think is the greatest success. <laughs> so your greatest success is your Rolodex. That's an absolute first. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever answered it quite like that. Okay then, Sashi, so to get that Rolodex, to get that mentorship above and below if you like, what level of effort have you had to put in to make that happen? being genuine has been the most important reason why i have been able to do what i have been able to do right uh, mm. i don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and actually says i want to be a bad person today but but they end up doing uh, bad things right just yes. being conscious conscious of the effort and being there for others when they actually need you yes and uh, asking for help uh, for no hidden reasons and being who you are can actually go a long way and it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people mm-hmm. because we are all taught to actually have different ha- different behavioral patterns when we engage but i believe that being genuine and your ability to come across genuinely would make would and continue to make a difference yeah you're right and it's that humility isn't it it's that ability yeah. to be a hugely yeah. successful businessman but actually ask for help and i guess something i picked up through doing these podcasts was that there is despite what you would be led to believe a group of of really good and decent businesses certainly here in Connecticut who if you reach out to them and ask them for a bit of help or guidance they're only too willing to do it whereas the vast majority still are a little bit more protective over their time their money their skills and Great. sometimes you know the sharing of that knowledge and and that wealth whether it be financial or knowledge can be yeah. so much more rewarding and make the world a better place yeah without it out and i mean connecticut is in a is a great opportunity right uh, it's traditionally been one of the most prosperous and uh, and uh, safe places uh, for a lot of time it has gone through recent shift 
I think we got to change the trend and not it as an existential threat for the people who live there. And uh, when people take a step back and look at success just outside of uh, their personal success, but more of a community success, I, I have generally found people to step up and actually help each other out. Yeah, absolutely. So with your greatest successes, of course, come the opposite side, which has been not necessarily failures, but what has been perhaps your greatest fear that you've ever had to face in your life? Mm. Well, generally, uh, fear has never been a motivation for me, Claire. But uh, having said that, uh, I believe the greatest gift I can give anyone is my own peace of mind, right? Mm. Uh, and my greatest fear is I won't be able to do that <laughs> sometimes. Mm. And uh, like always consciously try to find my center and peace when I'm engaging with others. It's a really nice answer, actually. Yeah, to give the best of yourself, you have to be centered, you have to be present. And the other two core values that I've managed to forget, like you, be good, (laughs) be present and be future ready. You're absolutely right. So tell me a little bit then about your plans. You wildly successful on the board of directors at Conscious Capitalism Connecticut. What is the big plan? I normally ask, like, what's the plan for the next five or 10 years? The classic question. However, in these pandemic times, it seems kind of a moot subject. So just what are the plans moving forward? What are your aspirations? What are you aiming for in the next period of time? Yeah, I mean, the Ode is a relatively new venture for us, right? We started in 2019 and uh, it has the potential to have a very large impact to the livelihood of millions across the world. Mm-hmm. We want to do it right and get individuals to get their digital free will back. Uh, the lack of it could be detrimental in decision making and critical thinking to the world uh, to a very large extent. And that's what we want to do. But as a part of actually doing that, uh, we want to build the next generation of social media, finance, media, educational applications on our platform with the next generation of entrepreneurs, right? So our uh, ability is not only to build a platform that uh, enables digital free will to consumers and uh, operational efficiencies and uh, innovation for enterprises, but to create the next generation of leaders in building and growing ethical, consent-based, context-based companies to, to make the world a better place. You've got me on board. That's all I can say. I'm on board. Sashi, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you today. How can people find out more about you and your company? Is there a website or social media channel that people should look you up on? Uh, Likewise, Claire, you've been a joy to talk to. And irrespective of what you said in the early on, you are an absolute joy to actually have this session with. So our website is odeinfinity.com odeinfinity.com yep i am also on linkedin and we want people to be a part of our future so if uh, anybody listening to this like to have a say in defining a new future of consumer data and digital free world we want to hear from you and we want you to be a part of the success story that we can all write collectively together i love it digital free will i'm on board sashi it's been a pleasure thank you so much for your time and let's catch up again in the future again Likewise, Claire. Good luck. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the latest instalment of The Curious Capitalist. For more information, you can visit the website, connecticut.consciouscapitalism.org.